Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into the Monday night edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for making the show a part of your day. And I said I might have done a podcast on Friday. I chose to enjoy my vacation. I hope all of you understand. Just got back from beautiful Santa Rosa Beach. The weather was perfect. Much needed vacation after a long spring and summer, which felt like just one month on top of itself. And that much-needed vacation. Uh, so appreciate you guys bearing with me uh, for not doing a podcast on Friday. I'm sorry about that. Just uh, enjoyed myself a little bit. But now we're back here on Monday on schedule release day. So this is perfect timing, right? I get home and I get to sit down, unwind for a little bit. Schedule gets released. Now I'm back on the grind. Uh, Rebel Report podcast is uh, back to its regular schedule Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And once the season begins, might even do it every day. That's something I'm considering. If you want to hear it every day, let me know, and uh, I'll look into that, especially when the season begins and there are more things to discuss when it comes to Ole Miss football. So we're going to, of course, look at the schedule release, and the biggest thing for Ole Miss is the fact that the Egg Bowl is not on the final game of the season. I already put a a troll tweet out there. Um I'm probably going to regret it later because my mentions are going to be a dumpster fire. However, uh, the Egg Bowl being the second to last week of the season. uh, So that's the biggest takeaway from the schedule release. We'll look at that. Ole Miss also started fall camp today. Um, They're pushing forward. They had practice. You got to hear from the coaches after practice. Uh, It's just one day and it's without pads. So they didn't really tell you a whole lot. Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley. Lane Kiffin said they literally split reps 50-50. So there was no indication there, and there doesn't need to be any indication there, really, until the Saturday morning when Florida comes to Oxford. That's They don't need to tell anybody anything. That information, I would be surprised if that becomes public, honestly, unless one of these two guys really separates himself from the other. There's no reason for Lane Kiffin and company to tell anybody anything about who's leading their quarterback race until the day of the game. Again, unless somebody really separates themselves. Uh, But there's just no reason. So you're not going to get much out of them. Fall camp started today. Uh, Ole Miss did lose a player uh, due to opt-out, coronavirus-related opt-out. So we'll get to that as well coming up. But first, I do want to remind you the show was always brought to you by LB's in Oxford, uh, the best place in Mississippi to get your meat. Go by see Greg just across from Kroger on University Avenue. Tell him that we sent you. Go by and see Greg. Tell him we sent you either for one of their daily lunch specials Monday through Friday, and they are open seven days a week. Best place in Mississippi to get your meat. That's LB's there in Oxford. So let's get started. Uh, The Second of two news cycles uh, on the SEC Network today. Very well, (laughs) you want to talk about PR 101? Give yourself as many positive news cycles as possible. And that is what the SEC Network and the SEC did today. Releasing everybody's Game 1 opponent and then waiting four hours to release everybody else's or everybody's remaining schedule. You know, what they should have done? is done game one last night, 
and the rest of the schedule today if they really wanted to maximize it or do game one or the first half today or the second half tomorrow. It's all about ratings and money, man. So they generated interest today. They dominated the entire day's worth of college football news. And, I mean, that's just PR 101. So kudos to the SEC. Um uh, for doing that, of course, putting on a production, making a show of it, because through all of this crap that we've all dealt with for the last few months, in the uncertainty around college football, in the Big Ten making a decision, which as we're learning, there wasn't even really a real vote. That is now, so Penn State has joined Minnesota in having their university leadership say that there wasn't really a vote. Um, in Minnesota's case, they said, We stand by the decision, we support the decision, but there wasn't really a vote. So now the Big Ten canceled their season without a real vote, did it probably prematurely on top of everything else you all know by now about what coronavirus did to the sports world. It was good to just turn that off for a little while and look at a football schedule and look at tough game, easy game, toss-up game, in talking about football, without any caveats, and of course there are going to be some. I mean, Greg Sankey uh, took to the podium basically immediately right after the schedule release, and the first thing he said was uh, talking about images that he saw on campus this weekend, and the virus is going to dictate whether or not the schedule gets played, and the habits on campus will dictate if this season gets played. So, of course, after that small little window of schedule release that we got, the distraction from reality that we got for a little while, of course, got brought back down to earth. But it was nice for once. It was nice for once to just have football conversation with no caveat, with nothing else, but looking at schedules, wins, losses, toss-ups. It felt really, really good. And I, it did for me anyway. I hope it did for you as well. So let's look at the old Miss schedule. I'm burying the lead a lot. So we learned at 2 o'clock um, this afternoon that Ole Miss was playing Florida in Oxford to open the season. And uh, what we've learned about Florida, I, I think Dan Mullen's a fantastic football coach. I think that they are more than just a dark horse to win the SEC East. I do not think that people give Kyle Trask enough credit for really how special he was last year. I mean... Part of that is because of his story, and nobody really knew who he was going into the season. But if you look at Kyle Trask's numbers and his production, it was very, very good. And it was even good in the two games that he lost last year against the best opponents on his schedule, LSU and Georgia. He performed well in those games. He's a good quarterback. So I think he's really good. I think Florida's going to be good. But we saw a report today that Florida, at least at practice today, uh, was down four starters. Did not show up. Uh, three offensive players, two of which wide receivers. That The CBS article that I've got up in front of me says that uh, it's three wide receivers, but one of which is a running back. Either way, four projected starters, three offensive players, all skill positions, one defensive end, that's Zach Carter, uh, all absent from practice today. That was first reported by Sports Illustrated, confirmed by the Orlando Sentinel. Dan Mullen was asked about it. Um, and because he's that kind of a coach that doesn't give any answers about player absence or injury or anything like that, he said he wouldn't be surprised if he had players opt out of the 2020 season. 
but none of the four who were missing today have indicated to him that they plan to opt out the season. One of the players even wrote on Twitter, uh, don't believe everything you read. But all that was read is he wasn't at practice today. Um, so, and that's true. So I don't know what you could not believe either way. Uh, so there's some stuff going on uh, with Florida there as well. So Ole Miss gets an interesting game, definitely, in week one. Dan Mullen uh, returning, to Ox- <laughs> returning to Oxford, excuse me. Uh, but, uh, of course, a difficult task uh, for Ole Miss. Florida's roster uh, is better than Ole Miss's at this point. And, uh, of course, there's some continuity there in Gainesville. There's not so much uh, continuity in Oxford. And I'm going to push back on the notion a little bit that these games don't matter. Now, if you've listened to this podcast uh, every day for the last few weeks, you've heard me say multiple things. One, the end goal is just to play a season to survive as an athletic department and as a town. Uh, That's the more important thing this season, is just to make sure you have this season. Because as you all know, football is the driving force for Oxford and Ole Miss and beyond. Without football, a lot of things change and it's not good. So the goal, of course, is just to play the season, just to play it. And also, you've heard me say that this should be considered year zero for Lane Kiffin because of the situation that they have dealt with all offseason with COVID and then the 10-game SEC schedule making wins even harder to come by than they usually are in this league as a year one head coach with a young roster and a defense that has a bunch of names on it that a lot of you have probably never heard before. Uh, So this should be considered, and still I'm telling you this should be considered year zero for Lane Kiffin. I have not changed my mind on either of those two things. However, I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and tell you that when your team takes the field against another team, that the game doesn't matter. And I know why that's out there, because they're not wrong. That's not that's not wrong. The goal is to play a season. Every win that you get should be celebrated just because you got to play a game at all, let alone actually win said game. But if your team, in your case, you're an Ole Miss fan, if Ole Miss is lining up against an opponent, that game matters to you, and that's okay. I'm not going to push back on that. I'm going to talk about this season as if the games matter because to you and to the guys in that locker room, the games do matter. If you're suiting up and playing... You want to win. It matters to you. So yes, there are so many factors that have completely changed the way this season looks. That is 100% accurate. The goal is to just play a season to survive. Also accurate. But if you're going to line up, put your pads on, put your helmet on, put your jersey on, and line up against an opponent, that game matters. It's going to matter to the players, and it's going to matter to a lot of you. So that's how I'm going to talk about this season. That's how I'm going to talk about this schedule. You know where I stand on the context of this season. It doesn't change if I sit here and talk about it like the games matter. Because I think they do, to some degree. They do. And so I'm going to talk about them as if they do. I hope that's okay with all of you. So Ole Miss gets Florida in week one. Definitely not a break by any stretch of the imagination. And when you look at this schedule... I'm sure it's just another coincidence that the four, air quotes, contenders in the SEC all are playing 
new coaching staffs. I'm sure that's just a coincidence, right? Uh, The same way that when they needed to add two new conference games, the contenders got breaks. Now, the contenders get to play, in some cases, like preseason games when it comes to Georgia, for example. They're uh, playing Arkansas. Um, That's a a glorified preseason game, considering the differences in roster. So the four contenders in the SEC, the top four teams in the league, all are playing against the new coaches in the league. Alabama is at Missouri. Oh, oh. Georgia is hosting Arkansas. LSU is hosting Mississippi State. And, of course, Florida is going to Oxford. All four top contenders in the SEC are playing the new coaches. I just thought I'd throw that out there for you. But looking at Ole Miss, so they, they open with Florida at home. Then they go to Kentucky in Lexington. And last podcast, I told you, Mark Stoops has done a fantastic job. An incredible job at Kentucky, considering the history. And it's a good football fan base. I mean, they're not completely disengaged, but it's a basketball school. Not a great place to recruit when it comes to producing high school talent in the state of Kentucky. Not a great uh, talent-producing state. Went to a bowl game last year with a wide receiver playing quarterback because of injury. He is a great football coach and has built a culture at Kentucky that is extremely impressive. So not an easy first two, well, three games, more on that in a second, first two games for Ole Miss, but Kentucky absolutely winnable when you're looking at one roster versus the other. But of course, it's really tough uh, going to Lexington, although the capacity won't be much. It's not like it's going to be some kind of daunting road trip. Uh, But still, a a toss-up game, a winnable game for sure. But Ole Miss was done no favors in their first three. Florida at home, Kentucky at home, Alabama at home. So you get the Lane Kiffin reunited with Nick Saban in week three. That's October 10th with Alabama coming to Oxford. So Ole Miss not done many favors in the early going uh, of their schedule. It gets much better later on. Uh, starting with Arkansas in Week 4. But Florida, that's a game where you're playing an opponent that's roster is better than yours. Kentucky, you have to go on the road to a program that's been really steady over the last few years, really well coached. I I gave you my take last week uh, about Terry Wilson. I'm not as sold on him as some people are, but definitely not an easy game. And then, oh, by the way, you get Nick Saban in the juggernaut. That is Alabama coming to your place in Week 3. No favors uh, were done to Ole Miss to start the season. Uh, but then you get Arkansas in week four. So there, that's if you're doing the WL thing, I know a lot of you are. I do it. Everybody does it. It's okay. Uh, we all do it. Uh, if you're doing the WNL thing, uh, that would be your first for sure W, in my opinion, is Arkansas. I think they're probably going 0-10. Uh, that is an extreme likelihood to me. Uh, the roster is very different than everybody else in the SEC, and I think they made an abysmal hire uh, at head coach. The staff's okay, uh, but made a a good hire, or did not make a good hire uh, at head coach, and that will rear its head uh, this season. So uh, right now I would do L, T for toss-up, L, and the W next to Arkansas. Here's an important game. If you want to talk about if this season goes off without a hitch, got to put those qualifiers in there. Um, Here's a swing game for you. You want to talk about a pivotal point in the season – 
You might get bit up, bit up, beat up, excuse me. You might get beat up uh, earlier in the season with Florida and Alabama, but you get a break with Arkansas and Auburn and Vanderbilt in consecutive weeks before your bye. I think that Auburn game, it's another team that you're more talented than, or you're not as talented as, but you saw last year. It's not that far off. Ole Miss was able to compete and play with Auburn a year ago, and now Auburn's missing a lot. I mean, across the board, really. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, Bo Nix is, you should expect him to make a jump from freshman to sophomore year, but you get Auburn at home. And, I mean, you could very well be sitting at one and three, but that is an Auburn team that, they do have South Carolina before you, so it's not much of a, a break there for Ole Miss. But it's an Auburn team that you have played well against in the past. Uh, they are missing some pieces. Uh, Bo Nix was good, not great a year ago. And you get him in your place after you get what should be a pretty easy week on the 17th, the week before against Arkansas. Uh, that Auburn game could be the difference between having three wins in a season and having five uh, or six even. Uh, That's a big stretch to get to six. But you see my point here, though. It's that game right there. If they're able to be intact and play well and they're improving week to week and they get an easy win over Arkansas, that Auburn game with Vanderbilt the next week, which should be another walkthrough, your bye, and then South Carolina after your bye, that's a chance to string multiple wins together for Ole Miss before we have to go to, to College Station. So catching you up with the schedule, I kind of got ahead of myself there. You've got Florida Week 1, Kentucky Week 2 in Lexington, Alabama and Oxford in Week 3. You go to Fayetteville in Week 4. You host Auburn in Week 5. You go to Vanderbilt in week six. That right, That's right. Ole Miss is home away, home away, home away with Vanderbilt. There's your bye week. That's on November 7th. Then you host South Carolina, go to Texas A&M, host Mississippi State, go to LSU. So Ole Miss does not have a back-to-back home or road game all season long for whatever that's worth to you. The South Carolina game comes at a perfect time. One, because South Carolina has Texas A&M the week before they play Ole Miss. Uh, Texas A&M, a lot of people expect they're going to be good. I think they're going to be kind of what they have been. It's probably a team that was better than the one they had a year ago uh, in a regular season. I would have said it's a 9- or 10-win football team, especially with the schedule they were supposed to have uh, being 9-0 and uh, to start the season, or 8-0 and if I remember it correctly. Uh, was going to be almost a guarantee. So uh, you get South Carolina playing a difficult opponent before they have to go to Ole Miss. And of course, like I've said, Ole Miss has their bye week before that game. You could not have asked for a better position on that schedule. Again, if things get worked out and played uh, the way they are currently scheduled, uh, you could not have asked for a better place for a, a game against an opponent that has a comparable roster to yours. Uh, I know people look at South Carolina as a pushover, and a lot of people think that Will Muschamp is just destined to get fired after this season. And and maybe they're right. But South Carolina has recruited better than Muschamp gets credit for. 
And it's a roster that's comparable to Ole Miss's. I think Ole Miss has better personnel on offense. South Carolina has better personnel on defense. But you get them at home, you get them after a bye, and after they have a a tough physical game with Texas A&M the week before. Could not have asked for a better position on the schedule for a toss-up game the way South Carolina is for Ole Miss on November 14th. Next, like I said, they go to Texas A&M. Not going to be an easy trip. I mean, we'll see what crowd capacities are like by then if the season continues to get played. Uh, I know in Texas they are dead set on finding a way to have half full or more stadiums. In Mississippi, it's not going to start that way. It won't be as easy as the way they're talking in Texas. So we'll see what crowd sizes look like by then. But even if it's only half full or even 25% full, it's still a game where you're you're not at home, you're not in your comfort zone on the road in College Station against a team that a lot of people think is going to be really good. And, I mean, who knows how these teams are going to look. You know, the abbreviated offseason has made these games really hard to project. I've seen some lines that have come out, and we'll talk about those. I've uh, seen some lines that have come out uh, recently, and it's just I can't imagine actually doing that. I know it's people's career. Like I'm going to give you some lines from a guy at the Action Network. That's literally his job is to talk about gambling when it comes to sports. So, of course, when a schedule comes out, they're going to put lines on things. Couldn't imagine how difficult that is. Projecting this season and doing the W's and L's next to games that we love to do um, is going to be tough at best. It's really hard to project these teams and what they're going to look like uh, based on the kind of offseason they were allowed or really not allowed to have. So projecting these teams is going to be really, really difficult. But, I mean, that's that's what pays my bills. So I'm going to keep trying to do it for you. And then after Texas A&M, you host Mississippi State. And like I said at the beginning, that is not the final game of the season. By the way, I now have a couple of uh, very upset Mississippi State fans uh, in, in my mentions now about my... Uh, my troll tweet. Here's what I said. And I love how people are dumb enough to actually believe this is what I think. I said, Ole Miss and LSU to end the season? Finally, the real rivalry gets its appropriate time slot. Um, That's going to make some people mad, and that's okay. Um, I'll tell you what. I think that game, number one, not being on Thanksgiving is <laughs> it's something that I've been screaming about since they switched it over, really. I hate the Thanksgiving Egg Bowl. Part of it's because, selfishly, I have family that is not from the state of Mississippi, and the Egg Bowl being on Thanksgiving makes the holiday really hard because that's kind of uh, the most important game of the year uh, for me in my job. So I haven't really been able to go home and see family, and spend time with family because of the Egg Bowl. But I'm not the only one that has family elsewhere, or or cannot use a holiday like that to center it around a football game. And there's been empty seats the last few of them. I mean, the atmospheres have been good, of course, because people are into it, but not as good. And yeah, being the only show in town helps the brand, but when the games are terrible, and the only highlights that come from them are fights or dog pee celebrations? Is it really building their your rivalry's brand 
to be that wacky, crazy game between two bad teams where something dumb is going to happen? Is that the kind of brand you want? So I've pushed back on that for many reasons. Uh, It ruins a holiday, uh, but also it's a novelty. And you're competing against the NFL. So really, how special are you when, when you're in that time slot? There's a reason that it's the Egg Bowl and not the Iron Bowl. Because if it was such a coveted time slot, uh, a more important game would be in it. But it's not. It's up against an NFL game. You want to know what draws 10 times the viewers as the Egg Bowl? It's, it's the NFL game. But that's just my opinion. I know a lot of you uh, really, really enjoy... The Thanksgiving Egg Bowl. I got a coworker that does. So it, it's to each their own, at least when it comes to, to that front. I, I think it should be on Saturday. That's probably personal bias. But I think what's really funny to me is it not being the final game of the year. And the, uh, the mentions to my obviously very joking tweet kind of tell you exactly uh, why I think it's funny. It's because for this year... There are some people that won't know what to do with themselves after it happens. I've said on this podcast before, I think it was last week even, uh, there are some who place too much importance on that one game. And it is the most important game on the schedule. Of course it is. You want to beat your in-state rival more than any other team on your schedule. But it has gone too far. It has become too important. And I know why it did this. I I know why it became the way it is. Because there was a long time, decades even, where this game was the only thing that mattered because both of the teams were terrible and didn't win anything else. But if you want to start advancing yourselves as as programs, you need to have the mindset. And it starts with fans. I mean, fan mindset bleeds into programs the way that They support their teams. Uh, The mindset needs to be had that, yes, in-state rivalries are the most important game of the season. Don't get it twisted. But it's not the only important game of the season. And people aren't going to know what to do with themselves when, after the Egg Bowl ends, there's one more game to care about. It's embarrassing sometimes the level that people will go in media and otherwise to posture themselves and win the Egg Bowl every day almost. like There are people, it's not just media too, it's fans, because my email and otherwise will tell you that people every single day think about the Egg Bowl. I got an email recently. So I went to Ole Miss, obviously. You guys know that. I attended Ole Miss. Uh, I do have aspirations, uh, which, you know, probably never achieve them, especially with how the media markets are going. But I I want to be like a Colin Cowherd or a Dan Patrick. I want to do national radio that is simulcast on TV because you can't just do radio shows by themselves anymore. It's super talk. We don't do just a radio show anymore. You can watch us on a very well done digital stream. Uh, That's where my aspirations are. So I try to avoid that Egg Bowl BS. I try to, to avoid it. I got an email from a listener a few weeks ago um, talking about the Sunday show that I do, me and Steven Gagliano, and uh, the guy basically said, I like your show, but I have a hard time liking you because you went to T-Sun. He said it took him a while to warm up to the show because he knew that I was from T-Sun. 
Now, that that kind of mentality, uh, and it exists everywhere. It's not just here. But, I mean, imagine that. Liking someone in the work that they do, but, but you can't bring yourself to actually do it because they attended a different college than the one whose football team you like. Uh, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That's why I think the game needs to be knocked down a peg or two, because... It's starting to bleed into people's like regular everyday personal behavior. I could not imagine not like it, actively trying to not like someone because they went to a school that isn't the one that I like. I mean, I grew up in South Carolina. I didn't know shit about Ole Miss. I mean, I'm, I was an 18 year old. I made a choice. I, that's all I did, you know. And for some reason, ten years. After I made that decision, 10 years later, somebody's still holding it against me, even though they like the work that I do. It's crazy. But that kind of stuff has been fed into this, and it's such garbage. And so even though it's only going to exist for one year, and it's only one game earlier, but the fact that Ole Miss plays LSU the week after, and Mississippi State plays Missouri the week after, will knock that attitude down at least one little peg. And anytime that mentality, the every day, where, where you're fighting the Egg Bowl every day, where you won't have friends because, and I've heard it from both sides, where you won't have friends because they root for the other team. That kind of mentality, where you're doing it every day, and all of that crap that goes on with it, uh, that getting knocked down a peg is good for it. It's always good for it. Because once people can stop focusing on just Ole Miss or Mississippi State and look at the other 11 games on their schedule and think that those are important too and to care about those as well and to not have this kind of environment where I like the show that you do, but I don't like you because you went to T-Sun. That mentality, that, that needs to go away. It's embarrassing. It's childish. And that's why people point and laugh at the Egg Bowl every Thanksgiving night because something dumb happens and it's, oh, look at those idiots. It's the Egg Bowl. It's always crazy and stupid and wow, look at that. It, it's a sideshow. That's what it's become. It's a sideshow. It needs to get knocked down a peg. That is my opinion, and some of you may not agree with it. Some of you probably think it's great, and that's okay. I told you before, I'm going to have some strong opinions on this podcast, and I want you to to know where I'm coming from a position of honesty. This is what I think, and I hope even if you disagree that you keep listening. But it needs to get knocked down a peg or two. Let's not pretend, even though we have, I have the usual suspects on Twitter, of course, that... uh, just don't understand joking, but um, the game needs to be knocked down a peg or two. It's the most important game on the schedule, despite what my tweet says. Of course it is. Doesn't need to be the only one. All right, where was I? Um, I was hoping to get this podcast out sooner, but my wife just, uh, she's on call tonight, just got called in, so I had to do the whole put the baby to bed thing. So, uh, Egg Bowl, right? Yeah, it's kind of funny that it's... <laughs> it's I think it's funny uh, that it's one week earlier 
the game just needs to get knocked down uh, a peg or two. It's, people just take it too damn seriously. I know it's important. I know it's the most important game, but I mean, it, this is just funny because there are some people that aren't going to handle this very well. Um, and then finally, um, LSU. LSU is in the worst possible spot for Ole Miss on the schedule. And completely flip that over with where Mississippi State gets them. Mississippi State gets LSU in the best possible way. Because, number one, if you have to play LSU on the road, you'd rather play them in the first game on the road when the crowd size is going to be minimal. So... K.J. Costello and his new system at Mississippi State is going to not have to go to a raucous full Tiger Stadium at night in a regular year. I mean, we're talking like a third full at best, you know, socially distant. So if you have to play at LSU, you want to play him at the beginning of the year because the crowd size is likely going to be its smallest at the beginning as opposed to later on maybe things change and it gets better. On top of that, as it's been covered Many times, everywhere, LSU lost basically everything off of last year's national championship team. Now, credit to Ed Orgeron for recruiting extremely well, and it's not like it's very hard to do at a place like LSU. It kind of recruits itself, but still, uh, they are losing bodies with extremely talented bodies behind them. But Joe Brady innovated that offense, and, and he's gone, and the Heisman Trophy winner, number one overall draft pick is gone, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire is gone, and a lot of their defense is gone, and they've lost everybody. And then they've had some players opt out on top of that. Still a super talented football team, one that's probably more talented, not probably, there's no probably about it, one that's very much more talented than Mississippi State and Ole Miss for that matter. Uh, but game one, after they lose all of that, is far better than at the end of the season when they've probably gotten it all figured out. You want Miles Brennan's first start, not his 10th start. So LSU being on Ole Miss's schedule in the absolute worst spot to get uh, LSU. Mississippi State gets them in the absolute best spot to get LSU. That's where you wanted them in the opening game of the season. So that schedule once more for Ole Miss is Florida at home to start the season on the 26th of next month. Then they go to Kentucky. Then they host Alabama. Then they go to Arkansas. Then they host Auburn. Then they go to Vanderbilt. Then they have an open week on November 7th. Host South Carolina. Go to Texas A&M. Host Mississippi State in the one week earlier Egg Bowl and then go to Baton Rouge to play LSU. And it's actually good now. As it turns out, uh, a little bit of breaking news for you as I record this. It's about 8 o'clock at night. I was hoping to get this posted about 6.45. Well, uh, luckily, I um, I was late because Ole Miss just got a commitment. Cameron Brady, a wide receiver, uh, just flipped to Ole Miss from UCF. He is a receiver, a big-bodied receiver from Texas. And uh, fills up another commitment in that wide receiver room. Uh, Big-bodied kid, 6'3", 190, so he's got a, a frame that can can add some weight. But Ole Miss is getting back to, with all due respect to Elijah Moore, because I think he's poised to have a big season if it all goes to plan. But uh, getting those big-bodied wide receivers like they had in the past, which made that receiver room so successful, 
another six foot three, almost two hundred pound body, and that's before he enters a, a college strength and conditioning program. Uh, another big get for Ole Miss at wide receiver. So uh, good on them. Uh, he's from Arlington, Texas. So Ole Miss yet again. Uh, not caring where a player comes from, and I've seen people suggest some more uh, that old that Mississippi State or, or anybody else needs to emphasize in-state recruiting, and no, no, they don't. And here's another example of a reason why not get talent wherever you can get talent. In this case, it happens to be Arlington, Texas. Also, in Ole Miss news front, uh, Eli Johnson. Now, Ole Miss's starting center from a year ago uh, has decided to opt out of the season. We learned, I guess it was last night, yeah, just uh, about this time yesterday, we learned that uh, Eli Johnson has decided to opt out of the season. And as you guys probably know already, he was as close to coronavirus and as close to seeing what it can do uh, as anybody could possibly be. Uh, his father made a miraculous recovery, uh, just a miraculous recovery from it, and he got to see it firsthand, unfortunately, and uh, of course the news was good after the fact, but unfortunately he saw firsthand what it can do, and so he has made the decision to opt out. Lane Kiffin in his press conference said they uh, they respected. He even offered him a chance to find a way to be around the team as much as he could, even though he's chosen to opt out. Uh, that's tough. Uh, but it's a decision that it seems like the program's respecting. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how to feel as a fan, I, but I, I think it's a decision that everybody should look at in nothing but uh, a supportive way. I mean, this is an unprecedented time, and he got to see the effects of it firsthand. I mean, it it has hit nobody closer than him, and he has chosen to not play. And, and that's a decision that should be respected of course the team seems to be doing it and there's nothing wrong there but that's that's what is important with these teams and conferences going back to play is the players have a choice Eli Johnson had a choice and he chose not to play his scholarship is being honored he's going to continue to go to school nobody is knocking him for it so the guys that want to play should be allowed to I guess is what it comes down to uh, if you want to play, you know the risks. You should be able to do so. And here we see a local example of this situation playing out right in front of our eyes. Guy didn't want to play. He doesn't have to play. He can continue to go to school for free. Nothing wrong with that. But it does leave a bit of a hole in the offensive line uh, from talking to people. Uh, there is some talent uh, that, that were behind him that were pushing him. Old Miss feels pretty good about uh, potential replacements. And they said after practice today that uh, they're going to shuffle some guys around. They said Ben Brown took snaps at center today. Um, I know that they do feel sneaky good about a couple of guys, inexperienced guys, of course, b- behind the senior. Um, but they do feel pretty good about a handful of guys there on the offensive line and their ability to be flexible with how they use them. The, the inexperience, of course, is a, a huge negative, but... Um, they do, based on somebody, a conversation I had earlier today, they do feel um, okay there. Uh, a quiet confidence. Now, you have to see it in game action. It doesn't help that it's SEC-only schedules this year that they uh, get to find out in, at least. So, um, it's tough. It's a tough decision. I'm sure it's one that he, he didn't want to make, but it is... Um, 
it's the sign of the times right now, and they're going to push on, and uh, some young guys are going to have to step up and show what they can do in that rotation. It's going to be a very young offensive line rotation, and, and that's just kind of what it comes down to. So that's it for me on this Monday night. I need to go ahead and hit publish on this thing to get it out to you in time. Don't forget, follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Uh, you can see the replies to my tweet from earlier. They're getting a little spicy. So have fun with that. Uh, go by LBs and see Greg. Tell them we sent you. Enjoy your week. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. Have another podcast on Wednesday and Friday for you. So thank you so much for listening on this Monday night or Tuesday or whenever you're listening and wherever you're listening. Thank you for making the podcast a part of your day. I really appreciate all of you. And I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.